You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Could it be that after all this transpires and Jairus gets his daughter back from the dead, that he not only loves his daughter as he never did before, but he loves people like he loves his daughter? That he begins to love people, all people, the way God loves them. It's likely that his whole life changed after this experience. And his ministry as synagogue ruler also changed. God loves all people. And there is no favoritism with him. He loves the prostitute selling her body in St. Petersburg, Florida, as much as he loves me. And his heart may go out to her more. Have you ever found yourself writing someone off due to their lifestyle, status, or behavior? As Pastor Danny will point out in today's message, that's the same mistake the religious ruler Jairus, as well as many more in the crowd, may have made the day Jesus healed the woman with the flow of blood. She shouldn't even have been in that crowd. She was perpetually unclean. But that day, Jesus shattered the boundaries when he healed that woman and lovingly called her daughter. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 5, as he continues his message, Jesus, Our Only Hope. Because of her condition under the law of Moses, she has not been able to attend a public worship service for 12 years. She has not been able to go to church. She's an outcast. She's just like the prostitute. There was a belief in this culture that the clothes of a holy man, especially the fringes of their clothing, contained miraculous power. That's very interesting because you go back to Mark chapter 3, verse 10, it says people were pushing just to touch Jesus. But then you go to Mark chapter 6, verse 56, after this story, and you read Mark 6, 56, here's what it says. Crowds were pushing just so they could touch the edge of his garment because they must have heard about this woman. Now, I think it's interesting God meets us where we are, even in sometimes our superstition. But if our faith gets directed toward him, he'll work despite our superstition. So, there's a little background on the two main characters, and I think it's worthwhile to spend the time on the background to get everything that God wants us to get out of this story. Because here we have two people, Jairus, the synagogue ruler, and this unnamed, anonymous, nobody woman who's been unclean for 12 years, and they cannot be further from uh, one another. They can't be on a farther side of the tracks, if you will from one another in life. And yet they're two people and their situations woven into one story. That's not an accident. So what does the Lord want to teach us? Let me just simply say, if you're suffering a physical infirmity, seek Jesus. Now, 
I believe in doctors as well. I believe the Bible believes in doctors. God sent Paul the apostle, a doctor, to travel with him. <laughs> he needed it because he's getting beat up everywhere he goes. Luke, the physician, traveled with Paul. And so nothing wrong with going to doctors. Uh, but when the doctor can't help you, that's especially when you need to go to Jesus. And let me suggest, maybe consider going to Jesus before you go to the doctor. James chapter 5, if you're sick, and, and, and the sickness there is not just a common cold. That's the impression of the Greek term. Uh, you know, you're really ill. Uh, and go call for the elders and have them anoint you with oil, and the prayer of faith will make the sick person well. That has to be the prayer of faith, and God has to give us that prayer. It's not just, just prayer, it's the prayer of faith. But this woman, her, her infirmity, uh, her infirmity was not just physical, it was spiritual. Did you catch that from Leviticus 5? It affected her relationship with others, but it also affected her relationship with God. And when Jesus, in the power that goes out from him in response to her faith, if I can just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. And she does, and she is. And the cleansing that came went beyond physical. It went beyond physical. And scripture bears that out. And I'm going to assume, I'm going to assume that her issue of blood is menstrual in nature. Now, if, if it wasn't, it doesn't change the situation. But many scholars believe it was menstrual in nature. And I, and I, I think they probably have a point. And if it was, there's one scripture that really, really is meaningful to what happened here in the story to her and her cleansing. What is it? It's Isaiah chapter 64. All of us have become like one who was unclean. And all our righteous acts, that's the best you can do. That's the best you can do. Are like filthy rags. And if you have a Bible computer with, you know, resources that we have today are amazing. You can click on that filthy rags and it'll tell you what Hebrew word. And it's the common Hebrew word for a woman's monthly menstrual cloth. The picture doesn't get any more clear. When you tie that with what I read from the law in Leviticus about a woman's issue of blood beyond her monthly period. But thank God, that's one side of the coin. Here's the other side. Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall, they shall be like wool. Come on, say it with me. Come on, you ready? Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Can anybody say hallelujah? I mean, I mean, I mean what a God. What a Savior that's willing to touch and be touched by the most unclean, which includes us. And once, once faith, and Jesus meet, a wonderful thing happens, cleansing. Cleansing. I think it's so ironic. You know, our blood is tainted with sin. Life is in the blood. Isn't it a wonderful irony that now our blood is tainted with sin, and yet by the blood of Jesus we're made clean. It's just wonderful. I asked the question, and I got to spend hours dealing with the question of why in the world Jesus is so adamant about this woman after power has gone out and she's cleansed and she feels in her body that she's freed from her suffering, and then Jesus stops 
And he's not giving up. We don't know how long he looked around, but he presses the point so much, he wants to know who it is that finally the woman comes forward. And I asked why. Why did he want her to go public? And what I got to spend hours on dealing with, I'll give you in a few seconds, I think of four reasons. And don't worry, they're just very quick. Uh, one, I think, because Jesus wants her to know that it wasn't so much a magical thing of touching his cloak, it was her faith, and that's what secured her healing. It wasn't superstition. It wasn't some kind of magical deal, you know. No, it was her faith. And that's why he says, daughter, your faith, your faith, that's, that's the key, your faith. I think, too, because Jesus wants her to go public, just like he wants us to go public after we've cleansed. And I put this here. God wants us to share our testimony publicly, boldly, and unashamedly. Amen? Three, because the Father wanted the story in the Bible. I'm so thankful for that. She needs to come public because somebody, the apostles, others who are going to be writing it, they need to hear her story. But last, and certainly not least, because Jesus wanted her to know that what has happened goes way beyond just healing her physical infirmity. And that's why he says to her, daughter. Now, if you can find it, I couldn't. And if you find it, you let me know. Because I searched with the Bible program in my computer, trying to think also where else recorded anywhere in the New Testament did Jesus ever, ever specifically address someone as daughter. I can't find one. This is the only recorded time, and it is no accident. Now, some of this is repeat, but it's good. Listen, let's go back again. Who gets to Jesus first in their need? Jairus. Jairus, what's the problem? His daughter's dying. He doesn't care now what anybody else thinks. He goes to Jesus, and Jesus says, okay. And Jesus is on the way with him. But Luke's account says the people are almost crushing Jesus. This is like New York traffic in the greatest rush hour. And this is like the ambulance getting to your house in this traffic. It's bad enough if you're Jairus. And you're like pushing, 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 trying to get in the crowd moving. And the worst thing if you're Jairus happens. It's already bad enough that you're trying to move through this crowd that's crushing. And the movement is so slow and your daughter is dying. But then the unthinkable. Jesus stops. You have to believe Jesus is right there beside Jairus, and Jairus is right there beside Jesus, and, and they're pushing, pushing, pushing in this crowd. And all of a sudden, Jesus, Jesus now, and Jairus' daughter is dying. He, he said, whoa, hey, who touched my clothes? And the disciples even think, what, a cra what, what do you mean who's touching you? Everybody's touching you. Crazy question. But Jesus won't give up. And for however long it took, it took long enough that a woman who is scared She's afraid that if she gets exposed, what's going to happen to her? And he presses the point so long and so hard that she now comes, trembling, falls at his feet, and tells him the whole story. And I, I'm studying it, and I also got locked into why in the world is she afraid now? She feels she's freed from her suffering. She's healed. Why is she afraid now? 
Because she spent 12 years, 12 years, and even though she feels she's freed from her suffering, she's wondering, not only still, even now, how's the crowd going to react and how's Jesus going to react? She's done it in such a clandestine manner. And she's afraid. And what she heard, I don't think she expected to hear. And let me tell you, who else didn't expect to hear what Jesus said to her? The one that is so anxious as you would be to get Jesus to his house because his daughter is dying. And now you have Jesus stop. And how long did it take for her to tell the whole story? And Jerry's just sitting there going, what in the world are you doing? And she tells her whole story. And then after she tells her whole story, Jairus has to be beside himself because his daughter is dying. And he hears Jesus say to this woman, daughter, a woman that had been shunned, a woman that for 12 years had been unclean, a woman that couldn't even go to church if she wanted to because they drive her away because of her condition. I just have to read it. I, don't, I just have to read it. Could it be that in the wonderful sovereign plan of Almighty God, this woman touching Jesus at the precise time she did? And Jairus being forced to witness everything that happens is meant to change Jairus' perspective about people, about how God views people, about God's love for people. Could it be that after all this transpires and Jairus gets his daughter back from the dead, that he not only loves his daughter as he never did before, but he loves people? like he loves his daughter, that he begins to love people, all people, the way God loves them. It's likely that his whole life changed after this experience, and his ministry as synagogue ruler also changed. God loves all people, and there is no favoritism with him. He loves the prostitute selling her body in St. Petersburg, Florida, as much as he loves me. And his heart may go out to her more because of her condition. Jesus tells us in another parable what it was like in this day, and he tells us this. We call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. It goes something like this, Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly. Jesus said, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. And so he said, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he fell into the hands of robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A priest, that would have been a peer of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, and Jews would say, a Samaritan? A Samaritan? Quick question. Uh, where was the priest and Levite going when they bypassed the man in need on their road? They were going to church. Oh, they were regular churchgoers. I mean, look, they're not going to miss church. I mean, they're leaders in the church. They're not going to miss church. Listen. Me too. I'm not preaching at you. I'm teaching. Listen, we're going to love people like God loves people. It's going to mean going out of the religious routine and meeting people where they are. And I'm not tooting my own horn, but I'm so thankful this Tuesday, this Tuesday, I've been assigned and Tuesday is my first lunch with a third grade boy that I understand has some real problems in life. I haven't met him yet. 
That's what I'm told. They say, they say you want him to, or you want him, or you want us to give you somebody else? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Of course I want him. And I get to go down to Campbell Park Elementary, and, and I pray God uses me in this boy's life. Because God loves all people. Red, yellow, black, and white, doesn't matter who. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, how are we going to wrap this up? Has anybody noticed the common denominator in our story? Who's been paying attention? Class? Class? Who's been paying attention? What's the common denominator? Come on. What is it? No, no, no. What's the, in the story, what's the common denominator in our story? What is it? Say it loud. Oh, you guys are good, but that's not what I'm looking for. What's the common denominator? A denominator, a number. What's the common denominator in the story? Twelve is the common denominator. Is that a coincidence? Twelve years of suffering? And the girl was how old? Twelve years old. That's not a coincidence. Twelve years of suffering. Twelve years of blessing. Here's what I put in my notes. Some people suffer for years while others are blessed. And I thought of the song. I, I couldn't help but think about it. It's a secular song, but some secular songs ask good questions. The Eagles, it's sung by Don Henley. It's called Sad Cafe. And the one line I thought of is this. Don Henley sings, I don't know why fortune smiles on some and lets the rest go free. It's a question about the mysteries of life, why one is healed and one's not, why one does well in life and one has all this pain and suffering. It's a question about mystery. And here's what I put in my notes. While life is filled with mystery, the truth is it's only a matter of time before everyone will need the kind of help that only God can provide. And ultimately, Jesus is the only one that can help us. Ultimately, he's the only hope. Now, one last thing I want to go back to. It's very important. The precise timing, the woman with the issue of blood, Jesus stopping, making her come forward, tells her whole story. Jairus, got to be beside himself. And let me read again. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace you, and be free from your suffering. Daughter, daughter. And Jairus, all he's thinking about is his daughter, not her. Daughter. While Jesus was still speaking. Did you catch that? Some men came from the house of Jairus. While he's addressing this woman, daughter, and she got healed. And while he's addressing her as daughter and she got healed, the messengers come from his house and they say, your daughter is dead. Don't you tell me. Don't you tell me there aren't things going off in Jairus' mind. Why in the world? Why would God heal her and let my daughter die? And from the perspective of the culture in that day, the perspective would be that Jairus, a blessed man, a man who thinks I'm certainly more righteous than her. Why would God heal her and let my daughter die? And you go to Hebrews 11, I can't help it. And you get those verses where it talks about those who quench the fury of the flames. And you think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how God rescued them. And you think of Daniel, shut the mouths of lions. And it says women received back from the dead, their children. 
But then you get near the end of the chapter, and here's what it says, and others, and others. Oh, that's a critical others. Others were tortured. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They went around in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute. The world was not worthy of them. And then it closes. That chapter closes like this. All of them were commended for their faith. Warren Wearsby in his commentary on this story, Mark chapter 5, says that what Jesus literally said to Jairus in verse 36, after the message comes from the house, your daughter is dead. Then Jesus says, and Warren Wisby says, what he literally said is, don't be afraid, keep on believing. In other words, you had faith to come get me. You had faith that I could heal your child. Now, will you have faith even though your child has died? And please don't miss, even though she's been resurrected from the dead, she died. And Jairus has to face the death of his 12-year-old daughter. Keep on believing. Jesus could have healed both of them. He didn't even have to go to Jairus' house. He healed another person and never even went to the house. The centurion servant, uh, he healed. Never even went to the, where the guy was. Jesus allowed Lazarus to die. Remember that story? The messenger comes from Martha and Mary's house. The one you love is sick. And what did Jesus say? This sickness will not end in death. It's for God's glory that God may be glorified through it. And yet, after the messenger goes back and Jesus' words go back to the house, Jesus delays. And during the delay, not only did Lazarus die, but Jesus is gone so long that they have the funeral. And when he shows up one after another, Mary says to Jesus and Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And then Jesus standing by the tomb, and I'll read you the record. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. I put in my notes, Jesus allowed Lazarus to die so that the living might have hope beyond the grave. I wholeheartedly believe that is why he allowed this 12-year-old girl to die, because not everyone is going to be healed in this life. And I don't know what world you live in, but in my world, not only are most people not healed, and I'm not saying that as a faithless statement, I'm just saying that as a statement of reality. I do see people healed. I've seen people healed, but I've seen more people not healed. And by the way, in the world that I live in, the world that I live in, one out of one die. So at some point, you're going to face a situation in life that everybody's going to face, and only God is going to be the one to help you then, because every one of us are going to die. And you don't know when you're going to die. You may die today. You say, well, I'm only 12 years old. The ultimate healing comes in resurrection. If only in this life we have hope, we're to be pitied more than all men. As an atom all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Praise the Lord. If I had to sum up the story, I'd sum it up very simply like this. Ultimately, our only hope in life is Jesus. Boy, did Job get it right. Job in chapter 14, verse 1, here's what he said. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. <laughs> Anybody not born of woman? As all of us. And I don't know where you are in life. But I know what God wants to do. He wants, in time, the circumstances of life to drive us to Jesus because Jesus is our only hope. And whether you get your healing or whether you don't, and I certainly pray you get your healing, but some people don't. And ultimately, nobody does until after the grave. 
We're so thankful to be able to share the Word of God with you here on The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our listening audience. If you want to hear today's message again, please visit ccfstpete.church. You can also join in our Bible reading plan. Just look under the Resources tab on our website for more information. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to take a moment to ask you to partner with us here on The Living Word. Would you join with us in praying for the listeners of this program? You might not realize how powerful prayer can be, especially during such uncertain times. There might be a listener who's really struggling, and God might stir in their heart a renewal of their faith simply by listening to this program. Please pray that each person who hears these messages would find encouragement. Just as we're reminded in Mark, God came to earth as a human, suffered in all the ways we do, and ultimately came to redeem each one of us. That's the takeaway we hope every listener gains from tuning in. Please pray for us also to seek God's will for this program and for it to continue to reach people in a powerful way. Thanks for praying with and for us. With that, we've come to the end of our time with you today. Thanks for joining us as Pastor Danny continued looking at the book of Mark. We hope that you'll tune in again right here on The Living Word.